1: Boy, oh boy, oh boy. You know, you hear me say this often, but I really mean it. We have a fantastic broadcast for you, all two hours of it, and the first hour is going to blow you away, especially if you have or know young people. I guess you may know or have a few yourself. You're going to be really pleased about the content of this this show because I mean, I'm sure if, if you're an older person, like a mom or a dad or a brother or what, whomever, and you've had a hard time motivating or activating or empowering, uh, the young, uh, the younger generation, I'm gonna. Who, the person whom I'm going to introduce to you will blow you away. Dr. Holly Roselle, how are you doing, Holly?
2: I'm good, thanks, Kaz. And
1: your ministry, your outreach, your dream is called Higher Power Mind. That's right. And we're going to talk a little bit about that because um, uh, Dr. Holly Roselle is a Ph has a PhD, and she she has a real heart for Scripture, but also applying Scripture to the lives. She she has a real heart for young people, don't you?
3: Yes, I do.
1: So, Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Higher Power Mind, Dr. Holly Roselle. What in the world is that? Higher Power Mind.
2: Well, Higher Power Mind, actually, can I just real quick oh, say sure. hello to my little girl Skylar and my little boy Thomas and Thomas my and Skylar,
1: hello, and, and your big boy. <laughs>
2: and my big boy, Charles. Hey, Charles. Yeah, they're listening, so I <laughs> promise I would say <laughs> hi. Um, but to answer your question, Kaz, Higher Power Mind is a faith-based mental performance program for youth. Yes, and if listeners remember anything about what the opportunity that this program provides, it's to armor youth with the world-changing power of the mind.
1: Yes, and uh, launched by the the... The Holy Spirit,
2: fueled by an Almighty God.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I, my friends, I have—I have to disclose—I have worked a lot with Holly. She, I'm a videographer. My partner and I, with Bizvid Communications, and she commissioned us to do some tr- training or instructional videos a year or so mm-hmm. back. So that's where I first became aware of what she's doing. And when I got, you know, we were building the videos, and so we get to, uh, an opportunity to uh, taste and see that the Lord is good through her teaching. And I'm going, wow, what a remarkable lady. And then this broadcast opportunity came up. And I said, we need to get Holly on here because she has the goods about helping young people go to higher levels. It's remarkable. So uh, finish with your story, Holly.
2: Yeah, well, thank you, Kaz, for those kind words. Yes. Um, but yeah, Higher Power Mind like you mentioned, it it uses a unique combination of scripture yeah. and the field of sport and performance psychology to really train those key mental skills that are required for youth to um, break free from limitations of the mind, um, unleash supernatural talents, to really enjoy, um, get more joy out of the things that they do. You know yes. sometimes you lose that when you're <laughs> when you're yeah. doing things, and to magnify, not just their hard work, but everyone's hard work so that they can do great and mighty things.
1: Yes. Do you find out, because uh, you work a lot with young people, mm-hmm. do you find out one of the challenges for young people, it is with we older people too, but focus is the thing. I mean, sometimes they, oh, I like this. And they deal with that for about a day or two. And then all of a sudden they're onto something else. If you can uh, instill discipline yeah. into these young people, they can really get a revelation about who they are, what they're called to do, stick with it, and all of a sudden see that fruitfulness.
2: Absolutely. Um So mental performance, the thing about mental performance is, is that it underlies and really dictates all human performance, sports, arts, academics, whatever it is we're trying to do. But the problem is that mental performance is also the number one undertrained skill required of youth. So here you have mental performance that's dictating what we do, yet it's going untrained.
1: Explain that a little further. That's an interesting comment you made.
2: Yeah, well, you know, of, of course it is, because... It, these programs aren't accessible. So, for example, I was a youth. Um, when I was a youth, I was an athlete. I was a swimmer, and I was also a bassist. And I had great coaches and great teachers, great instruction but underneath all of that, I struggled with the mental game.
1: So wait a minute. You said a bassist as in an instrument. Yes, you played the the bass. Yes, and also you were a swimmer. I was a swimmer. Remar- well, so you needed some serious discipline to to move forward in in that sport and that musical right uh, discipline as well. Yeah.
2: So I've really lived that as a youth, and um, and because of those struggles, I I missed out on a lot of the fruits of the hard work, and not just my hard work, but everyone's hard work. Um, things like results and achievement and self-confidence and really just the joy of consistently performing at your best. Yes, um, And that was really frustrating for a long period of time, many years. But the good news is that God is using that for good. Yes. Just, now, now
1: uh, when did God enter your equation?
2: Well, God entered this into the equation probably about four years ago. Started no, kind but, of planting the seed.
1: I understand, but you, you were a believer before then. That's oh, what, I, was that's before that.
2: That, yeah. yes. I was a believer before that. Yeah, I was a believer before that. I surrendered my life in grad school, actually. Uh-huh. So not as long ago as you might think, but about 10 years ago. Yes. And it's just really grown in my heart. And I was actually in the master's program for sports psychology at the time. I see. And so that's, see, seed was really planted. But like like I said in, you know, Romans eight twenty eight, he says, I'm gonna use all things for the good of those who love him. So some of those experiences and those struggles have really fueled the passion for this program mm-hmm. so that the youth can be free. They can be free to do these great and mighty things that God has planned for their life. Yes. And he does. He has great pl- things planned for all of
1: their lives. He does. And I can hardly wait to talk to you about some of the, the uh, aspects of this program. I think, my listening friend, what we're going to be doing is we're going to talk a little bit more about it. But mm-hmm. we're gonna, not only going to talk about it, we're going to illustrate it in some of our segments. We're also going to introduce somebody who is uh, functioning within this as well from a c- phone call a little bit later on in this hour. So, Holly, this, yeah. this is remarkable. And my listening friend, you, you may not be a youth but I'll tell you what, because I've been working with her and seen some of these things. and, pla- In fact, played the videos over and over again. Uh, they've helped me. Actually, yeah. I play tennis, and it helped me almost win today. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's power. <laughs> and, and
1: that's power. But you know, service has always been the challenge. <laughs> there you go. There you go. We'll talk more. We'll talk. Thank you. During the break, she's going to fix me up, and that's you're gonna, right. You tell a, a heightened level of ability from each segment after she gets with me during the commercial breaks. So, Good. how do you want to? How do you want to? Complete this. We've got about a couple of minutes. Any word of encouragement to people? Uh, a little bit of overview about the program and the people. Maybe let's do that. A little bit of a, an overview about the program and the people, and then we'll just dive into the specifics in the next segments.
2: Yeah, one of the things that I think is really important to understand about this program. Um, because it's something that gets confused with people all the time. So I want to clarify it. This is not a clinical psychology program. Uh So, you know, there are things that people need to work on depression and things like that, that are clinical, but that is not what this is. This is mental skills training. And so it is for everyone. Um, I remember, I'll give you a quick example. When I was um, working with a young man and his goal was Mm -hmm. to be in the combat medic program for the army. My, my. And the combat medic program is an extremely intense program. There is a tremendous amount of studying that goes on in a very short period of time. They have to finish certain assignments and things like that. And he is really struggling with attention. And I remember sitting down with him and working with him on some of the attention control activities. And he went and he applied what we had learned. And he came back and he said, you know, this was so easy to mm-hmm. do, but I would have never known to do it unless I would have worked with you. Well, that's good. And so it's the kind of thing that um, once you hear these skills, you can apply them immediately to make a difference in your life.
1: Yes, yes. And that reminds me from what I've known of you. You've dealt uh, extensively with the military, training the military. I mean, a lot of the the training approaches that you have applied Uh, that you apply, you apply to the military. The military hires you to help them train their people. I mean, speaking of high-stress situations, oftentimes in a military environment, you have a high-stress situation. And my friend, you need to concentrate for the sake of you, the lives of you, other people around you, but also uh, the protection of this nation. I mean, it's a pretty serious thing. So we'll talk a little bit about that in future segments as well. Absolutely. So Holly, are you ready to track with me for a whole hour? We'll talk a little bit more about this higher power mind strategy. You know, my friend, as a Christian, many of you have been taught about uh, we are spirits and we have a mind living in a body and we we hear those things. Well, uh, let's have uh, Dr. Holly Roselle, Ph.D., dissect that a little bit more and show how all these different elements of the of how we are made, can work in harmony to the highest level possible. So, uh, Holly, I'm excited about uh, talking about this. Okay, (laughs) my friend, Holly Roselle and Kaz, we will be right back.
0: This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K-Praise, more Come Together San Diego. is just moments away.
1: Hey, this is Nick Grizzle here with Drum Magazine. I'm here with Dan from Kingdom Cajon. He's going to tell us why he's thinking outside of the box. How am I hearing all these different kinds of sounds and stuff? We
4: really enjoy uh, comfort, <laughs> thus the shape of the drum, uh, the padded seat, but also the tones that comes out because it's
5: narrows at the top. You get some high tones at the top, and we also have a patented snare system. It's called we call it the Easy Rocker Snare. When the drum is flat, there's no snare. On. So it's just a, a unique sound there.
4: And then when you rock it back, the snare comes on, so it gives you more creativity. And then we added into it also the shakers and jingles and also a wood block. So you can really take that
1: thing out and kind of gig with it, have some fun, be real creative. KingdomCajon.com KingdomCajon.com
0: could send the child in your life to a public school but why when you could send them to one of San Diego's finest Christian schools for half the normal price with the K-Praise half off tuition program that's the 2019 and 2020 school year for half price log on to kprz.com or tap the K-Praise app for a complete list of participating schools then call 844-800-5757 now to enroll your child when you call you can put the entire half price tuition on your credit card it's that easy but these outstanding tuitions are going fast. So call today, 844-800-5757, 844-800-5757.
2: Explore your options with schools like South Bay Christian Academy, City Tree Christian, and Valley Christian Academy. Visit KPRZ.com or call 844-800-5757 before these tuitions are gone. That's 844-800-5757 or KPRZ.com.
0: Now, more of Come Together San Diego on Cape Race. Here's Kaz Taylor. And I am back indeed with
1: Dr. Holly Roselle, Ph.D. Higher Power Mind is the vision that God gave to her. And just like God gives you individual visions as well, you can sit it on a shelf or you can actually activate that. And what I want to do in this show as you've listened to Come Together San Diego through the year or so that we've been broadcasting. My heart cry is to help you comprehend what your calling is and to activate it. So... Uh, the under undergirding theme in all the interviews that I have is with people that have seen a vision, they've moved forward into it. Beyond telling you about their vision, I like to use them to inspire you to attend to your own. So Dr. Holly Roselle, when we do this, I have an ulterior motive here, <laughs> and that is to encourage other people to d- identify what their calling is and move into it as well. Absolutely. Do you mind if I share a scripture or two to launch us out into this? Please. Okay, I- I'm going to share a scripture. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, it says... Uh, that uh, it asks that the very God of peace sanctifies you wholly, and that the god and God preserves your entire spirit, soul, and body blameless into the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know it talks about the threefold Composition of the human being, mm-hmm. and Holly God has been whispering in her ear and says, If you can get them to think properly, a lot of times those things everything else kind of falls in place if you you know you, you offer yourself up. As a living sacrifice, you say, Lord, I'm available. He goes, okay, now I'm going to refresh your mind. And as you refresh your mind, all these other things are going to work in tandem with one another. So talk. we started talking a little bit in the last segment about the big vision. Now let's bring it down a little more tightly about uh, what it it actually looks like and take it where you want to take it. Holly?
2: Yeah. You know, I mentioned um, briefly in the other segment that God is really... um, use some of my experiences as a youth and um, just some of the struggles I had with the mental game to fuel the passion for this program. But he's also blessed me with education and some other experiences as well. Uh, For example, as Kaz mentioned, I have two masters and a PhD in the field. I'm a certified mental performance consultant, and I've worked thousands of hours in this field with populations such as professional athletes and special operations in the military. And what it's showed me is really how to train these key mental skills to armor our youth with the world changing power of the mind. Yes, And I feel like that is uh, my gift, the gift he's given me. And in first Peter four, it, I love how it tells us to use our gifts to serve others. And that's really the background and the motivation behind this program, um, But there are other reasons that stem from that. For example, I'll just mention a couple. But for example, there are so many studies that have shown us that this type of mental skills training has positive effects on not just performance in youth, things like sports and arts and academics, but also on well-being. So things like avoiding or moderating depression, emotional control, self-regulation.
1: So you're telling me these things, this right attitude uh, has a great deal to do with good health as yes, well. Yes, absolutely. Wow.
2: And But the problem is that, you know, there isn't access to these programs. Like what teacher or school or parent or coach has the money or the time or the expertise to bring in these programs? But by creating a powerful mental performance program online, we're able to give everyone access to these types of programs.
1: I like it. And while we're here and you mentioned online, I'll give you an opportunity right now to share what that website is. And they can be meandering while they're listening to the radio. So what's the website?
2: It's www.higherpowermind.com.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
2: And I know that one was from God because when I went to GoDaddy, that was the only one <laughs> <laughs> that I could get. So I, like I believe it. that's what he wanted.
1: I like it. So here we are talking more about the background We're using some of your mm-hmm. experience, but how wonderful it is. You, you know, that's right. A lot of people, they train uh, education and they train in, you know, the the body disciplines and things like that. But putting being able to put those together and have them... Uh, I don't know what the right word, the right psyche, the right mm-hmm. uh, manner of, an, of, of tying all these things together. That's remarkable. Yeah. And t- you've had some um, remarkable experiences. You've dealt with people that have, you know had to put it to use on the battlefield yes. or in the competition field or in the yeah. school environment. And uh, you also deal with musicians. I mean, that's fantastic. Yeah. I've seen some of, some of the stuff that these musicians put together and... When you're competing or when you're performing, you have to be concentrated. Or else, you know your mistake gets magnified. Yep, <laughs> it
2: does. Mental performance underlies all of that. Yes, you know, like you mentioned, and you know, one of the things, in my opinion, we don't do a great job of proactively working on the mind in this country. But it doesn't have to be that way. Um, it shouldn't be that way. And in fact, studies have shown us that when youth receive these types of mental skills training, the effect magnifies over time. So imagine all of the performance and well-being that we can capture for our youth by giving them these programs
1: Yes, young. You know, one of the things that I observe, because I, 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 I'm looking at what goes on in the world. I'm looking at the educational system in the mm-hmm. United States. I'm looking at how a lot of the scores are diminishing here. And uh, how there's a a lot of lack of incentive in young people. And uh, we go, how do we solve that problem? Well, God has not only built into you, but he's also built into his word, the techniques to be able to apply these things and change that. You know, the the enemy wants to cause this generation to flounder and falter and fail. But God has given us through his Holy Spirit and his written word solutions for this. How big a role does the uh, scripture play in your training?
2: Yeah, well, you know, when I first, God first put this in my heart, the first thing that I did before I did this program was I read the Bible cover to cover. Yes. And I highlighted every single thing in the Bible that had to do with what I wanted to teach, because I wanted to make sure it stood on God's word. Oh, and so I have to tell you, he is the almighty psychologist.
1: It probably opened your eyes. Per- didn't mental it? performance
2: consultant, I should say. Yes. I mean, it was all there first. And, you know, for for leaders, from a logistical standpoint, because I'm really reaching out to parents and schools and coaches and youth leaders here um, not that they're trying to take the easy way out, but from a logistical standpoint, all you have to do with this program is watch the videos, mm-hmm. apply them, and read the prayers. That's good. And you have armored them with the world-changing power of the mind for the rest of their life.
1: Help me, There was a, there's a th- th- three phrases that you use, and uh, it's slipping my mind right now. Uh, uh, what are those f- three fra- phrases about uh, uh, taking it in? Being trained and then and then pray it
2: well, uh, learn the skill learn do the, skills, the drill
1: do the drills pray and, thy will and pray thy will yes How it's very is it's that? very
2: easy for a leader to do but the the payoff is incredible
1: yes 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 my listening friend I hope you're realizing that, you know, we can be, if we can look at the news or we can be distraught about things or our our kids are coming back from school and they aren't quite getting it. There are solutions and God has given us solutions. All we have to do is, number one, apply them or number two, find somebody who can help us apply those. And so, Holly, I I know you have stories about uh, coaches, you have stories about uh, different trainers and, and, and different individuals that are in the Come alongside of a young person mode. And when you help them get so just a few keys to be able to apply these things, all of a sudden they see remarkable results.
2: I, you know, I remember when you're saying that, I just remember this story. I was, um, there was a coach, he was a basketball coach from middle school, and he asked me to come in and work with his team. Uh-huh. And I will never forget this. It just stuck in my head that I was talking about uh, the mental filter, which is one of the skills from the confidence lesson in the, in the program. And I was talking about it with these girls, and I remember this girl looked at me, and I just saw the look on her face when she got it. Mm-hmm. And it just clicked. And it really applies to Romans 8.28. Like I said before, God uses all the things for the good, that uh, those that love him. And it just clicked, and I thought... That's why I'm doing this program. Oh, I love that it. That will be with her forever.
1: Yes. And you, how many different disciplines are you teaching? There's just a, just a handful. You've got uh, prosiety and you've got win, and, and all, a number of other things. What are, how, how many disciplines in this training?
2: Yeah. So the way the program is delivered, it's through 12 sessions. Yes. And they're all the same. So it's really easy to follow along. And those 12 sessions lie within four main lessons. And it's confidence, motivation, performing under pressure, and attention control.
1: <laughs> performing under p- 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 pressure? Yes, I'm and, I'm telling you, I'm using some of those <laughs> skills right now. Yes, and, per- <laughs> <laughs> and performance. I yeah. love that. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in the next segment. Uh as I said, uh, because I've had an opportunity to do, stroll through some of the videos and actually help her create some of the videos, some, some of those things are embedded into my heart and mind and actual uh the way that w- when I do athletic events or when I do uh when I have to write scripts or when I have yeah. to Present things. I go a lot of these things just by going over them in the videos that I help you know Bizvid helps you create. I mean, I've got some of those things embedded, and I go, right. ah, I need to breathe.
3: Yeah, ah. yeah.
1: And I, just simple little trainings, but once you get them, like that person you said, it clicked in. Mm-hmm. When it clicks in, and all of a sudden your life can change.
2: Yes, and and think about learning that when you were.
1: 12 or 13 oh, and or really? That's so good. You
2: know, and, and like I said, when when youth learn these early on, these positive effects magnify over time. And that's really what the goal of this program is. So like I said, they can do great and mighty things.
1: I love it. And we're going to talk more about this as we continue. And I just mentioned a couple of of, of the phrase, phraseology that you have used. But uh, in the next segment, let's spend a little bit of time uh instructing people, why don't you, I'm not me, I'm going to watch and go, wow, that was well done, you know, but uh, have you instruct people on one of the disciplines in particular, but we'll talk a little bit about a, a number of them, and then actually give them something that's going to help them just from this radio show, from this broadcast. Yes. Are you willing to do that? Absolutely. I, I knew the answer already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my listening friend, uh, Holly, uh, Roselle, and Kaz, we've got some big stuff coming your way, and we will be... Right back.
0: Yeah.
1: Joel Lieberman from Tree of Life Messianic Jewish Congregation. Lord, we just do lift up the entire region of San Diego from Vista to Chula Vista. Lord, it says in the Psalms, Hina Manayam Manayim Gam how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. We pray a spirit of unity over our city. In the name
0: of Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, Amen. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, when I say this
1: first hour is mind-blowing, I am being serious because the name of the ministry or the vision from Dr. Holly Roselle, who is my co-host for this hour, is called Higher Power Mind. So in a very real way, it's mind-blowing. And so, Holly, it's good to have you with us, and we're having such a fun time here. Yes. You know, we talk about performing better than ever before. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it has to do with our our ability to focus and concentrate. And uh, God has given you some uh, techniques to help that happen. And you found those techniques by listening to Holy Spirit and digging through Scripture as well. And, you know, I know there's a Scripture you're going to launch out to start this section. But my listening friend, here's the deal. You know, when something is confronting you and you're not really sure how to accommodate that, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of emotions that are going on. You know it. There are a lot of emotions that are coursing through your heart, and mind, and, you, and and they affect your 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 intellect, and they affect your you know, physical being and everything else. And so, what God wants you to do is, Holly uses the word "sweet spot." She wants you to find that sweet spot and find out how to get there quickly and start applying things but anxiety is, is a real challenge I, I tell you a lot of people they lose their functionality completely when they start overthinking things instead of allowing what you've been trained to do to kind of kick in you had a scripture you wanted to jump in in this we we'll are talk a little bit about anxiety but you have solutions and you even coined a word to, to deal with it so uh, I'm going to hand it over to you Dr. Holly Roselle
2: Yeah, so Kaz, I mentioned in the last segment that Higher Power Mind uses 12 different sessions that are within four lessons. And um, confidence, performing under pressure, attention control, and motivation. And the one I'm going to teach right now is the skill called prosiety.
1: Yes, and this is a word that you created. This is what I created. And and you're calling this the opposite of?
2: Opposite of anxiety. Anxiety. Yeah. I love it. And, um, And this one's in the performing under pressure lesson. And I'm going to start by talking a little bit about how the body works Mm -hmm. when it's faced with stress or pressure, because God just so miraculously designed us. Um, He designed something in our body called the sympathetic nervous system, Mm -hmm. and I call it our amp-up system. And when we are faced with stress or pressure, that system is triggered, and it makes all kinds of amazing changes in our bodies. For example, it makes our heart rate go up, which pumps more blood throughout our body. And there's oxygen in our blood, so it makes our body more powerful. Um, another, uh, it, it makes it more powerful so we can perform better, Yes. perform at a higher level. Another thing that the AMP-UP system does is it shuts down our digestion. Because really what it's doing, the body is saying, hey, anything that's going on that's going to take energy, that's not really useful, we're shutting it down. So that energy can be used to perform at a higher level.
1: And scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And as you did the research into this, you realize, boy, are we fearfully and wonderfully made. And the the body has mechanisms. You just have to figure out uh, which are the good mechanisms and which are the negative mechanisms Mm -hmm. and how to apply the good stuff. Tell us more.
2: Exactly. And so, you know, as you start feeling that, some things that might happen are you might start to feel sick. Uh, You might start to feel like you have to throw up. You might just start... To feel like you have to go to the bathroom, you might even get cotton mouth or
1: a you know, headache. off on yeah. Another another thing
2: well. um, the body does, the amp up system does, is it makes you sweat. Yeah, it cools your body down so you can perform at a higher level. Or you may feel jittery because of some of the chemicals that it uses to make these changes. And all of these are really good things. Say that again. All of these are really good <laughs> things.
1: Say it again. <laughs> good things. Yeah. But the thing is, we, as soon as we start feeling sweat, sweaty or we have some of these nauseous feelings, we go, uh-oh, I'm done. I'm in big trouble. And your whole idea, mm-hmm. your whole revelation is that these are tools if you know how to harness them.
2: Exactly. And so what happens is, like I said, those are all really good things, but where the problem comes in is they don't feel good. (laughs) They feel really uncomfortable. So like you said, Kaz, what happens is we start thinking, oh no, this must mean I'm not ready. Yes. This must mean my body's weak. This must mean I'm not going to do well. And we sabotage our performance before it even starts. Mm -hmm. And that's anxiety, sometimes called performance anxiety. My, my. But what we need to do instead is this. We need to, when we start feeling that nervousness or that uncomfortable feeling that our amp up system gives us, we need to say things like, thank you God for this. This must mean it's go time. This <laughs> means I'm ready, right? Because you know if we have that positive view of it, that's prosiety.
1: Yes, yes. Can I, can I ask you, you know, mm-hmm. we've seen some athletes, and it seems like when there's more pressure, they excel. Exactly. And that's because they've learned how to uh, harness that.
2: They've learned how to harness it, and they've learned to have a positive view of it. Because it is, like I said, something that God gave us. And I'm going to actually read a scripture that relates to that. It's Psalm 119, 143, and it tells us, As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in God's commands.
1: So out of the pressure and joy, I mean, pressure Mm. in your life, joy is to be found there. It's like digging under the dirt and there's the nugget right underneath the surface. Exactly.
2: And as it relates to prosiety, you know, if if God commands our body to do this, even if it doesn't feel good, we can trust it and we can find joy that it is good for us and it's designed to help us perform at a higher level. And that's what prosiety is.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I think there's sometimes a person I've I've seen people that when they when they have this level of pressure upon them and they go into the thick of into the thick of battle, unqu quote unquote, unquote. It may not be literal battle, yeah. but whatever the competition happens to be, there's an, exhilar- an exhilaration that happens and when they finish off they go, Oh, I've never felt so alive. Exactly. And that's a God thing.
2: Yes, it is a god thing. He truly did create it for our
3: good.
1: So where do we go to get this anxiety transformed into prosiety? How how much of it is mental? How much is physical uh, discipline in your life? And how, what, what are the components to make that happen?
2: Well, it's both. Yeah. So the physiological piece of it, like I said, the amp-up system kicking in, um, that's a piece of it, and we want that. People will work really hard to do anything to shut that down. And what <laughs> I'm saying is don't do that. <laughs> Have a positive view of it and embrace it because that's what God wants for us. And here's the thing, Kaz, youth won't know that. They won't understand that. They need somebody to teach them that.
1: That's right. And sometimes the parents uh, go, oh, don't worry about this or don't be anxious about that thing. But if they, yeah. the parents realize how that can be a tool, um, this is revolutionary. Yeah. It's revolutionary, Holly, because we, you know, we almost see, seem to look for anxiety and we go, oh, we can't do that because it makes me anxious, I like, get nervous. The truth of the matter is God saying, I'm going to use that to spur yes. you on.
2: Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and you want to embrace it? And let it take you to a higher level. Because if youth, like I said, if they don't hear this, they don't teach, somebody hasn't taught them this, they could go their whole life with their nerves defeating them instead of magnifying them, which is what God wants for us.
1: Yes. You know, in in the next segment, we're going to bring somebody on who can apply these things as well. A A friend of yours who has used some of these precepts and principles yep. for higher power mind but before we do we have a few minutes left tell us a story about some of the people that you've experienced that had the wrong attitude and all of a sudden when you talk about somebody had it all of a sudden clicked in I want you to be an inspiration to our listeners right now because God is pouring emotions through them and if they properly understand how to uh, facilitate these things, it can take them to higher levels, even beyond their imagination. Yeah,
2: I do. I have a story that comes to mind and it's actually regarding another skill that is from the attention control lesson that's called WIN. And it stands for what's important now. And I should say that All of these skills have one word, one or two words as their name so that youth can remember them when they need them. Um, But I was working with a young man and we were, it was in the military and we were in a simulator and they were shooting at targets. And so it's real guns, but the, the, there's not bullets, it's a laser And, and the simulator's like, you know, kind of a virtual reality. And we went up and we did the drill and he shot all of the triangles Uh on the drill. And afterwards it put a big fail sign up and he was so confused. And he said, why did I fail? I shot every single triangle. And I said, well, the directions were to shoot every single shape except (laughs) the triangle.
1: (laughs) And and so
2: the thing here is that he was paying attention, but he was paying attention to the wrong thing Mm. at the wrong time. And so what I had to tell him and remind him of is: you always have to have the answer to your question. What's important now?
1: And so, and, and what's important now? And you call it your win. And I mean, that's yes. a wonderful way to remember it. Yes. How am I going to win in this challenge?
2: Right. So when you're out there and you're losing focus or you're losing attention, what's my win? And when you answer that, it will get you right back on track. And I love Proverbs four twenty five that tells us: look straight ahead. And fix your eyes on what lies before you. Ooh,
1: in other words, don't, don't be so concerned about the periphery things. You focus on the thing that's important and all these other things will find their proper place.
2: Exactly. Because we get so focused on, you know, what mistake I might make or what might happen or who's going to think of mm, this of me. Oh, my, But my. when you ask yourself, again, you ask yourself, what's important now? Or excuse me, what's my win You have to have that answer.
1: Yes. Would you take about 30 seconds now? uh, My friend, you've gotten some revolutionary insights here that can be actually applicable. And uh, once again, give me the website.
2: It's www.higherpowermind.com.
1: Now, would you spend 30 seconds or so before we go into the break, Holly Roselle, and pray over our listeners and just encourage them as a mom would a kid. Now, we know that a lot of you listening are not the kids, but uh, Holly's going to take the position of the mom encouraging you. Don't be so concerned about these things. Just listen to God. So lay it on us. Give us the encouragement in 30 seconds or so, and then we'll go into the next segment.
2: I would love to do that. (laughs) Oh, our Heavenly Father, I just ask that all of these skills, all of your words that underlie these skills reach all of the youth that it needs to, God, all of the youth, God. And we just ask that you speak to them, God, so that they understand your character through this program. They understand that you are in their life and everything they do, God, not that you want them value them or love them anymore because of how they perform but that you encourage them god and you want them to do great and mighty things to glorify you god we just ask that you put your loving arms around every single youth out there god and that you lift them up you encourage them you use this program in the way that you want to use it so that they can feel loved by you, God. They can feel lifted up by you, God, and that they know that you are with them in all the things that they do so they can do great and mighty <laughs> yes, things yes, in yes. your name.
1: Uh, yeah, hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah and Holly Roselle. <laughs> what, what a good combination that is. My listening friend, Holly, is going to be with us for the last segment. But, you know, we talk, we've talked about this thing, uh, but I thought it would be a good idea for, for Holly to invite someone on who's actually not only experienced, experienced it, but also applied it to youth. We're going to be bringing on a youth pastor who has some experience in doing this under some tutelage from Dr. Holly Roselle. We're going to find a little bit more about that, but I hope this is going to be an encouragement to you to kind of dig on in. And once again, before we go to the next segment, what's the website again, Holly?
2: It's www.higherpowermind.com.
1: Okay. Dr. Holly Roselle and Kaz, uh, buckle up because this last segment of this first hour is going to be crazy. We'll be right
0: back. More. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise.
1: Yes, we're back, and we're learning lessons about how fearfully and wonderfully made we are. We have embedded within us keys to perform at a higher level, even beyond your imagination. And these are the days where God wants to have his kids performing at their highest level because we need to be a witness of the goodness of God. And by hearing and obeying him, it can change the lives of other people. And they go, hey, how'd you do that? And then you say, I want you to meet my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my good friends is Holly Roselle, Dr. Holly Roselle. And uh, we're having fun, aren't we? Yes, we are. <laughs> always. Uh, always. And my my friends, here's what we thought we would do in this last segment of the first hour. I wanted to have Holly bring on someone who has actually experienced this, but also has a real heart for youth as well. I'm going to use that to let you introduce our phone guests.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um On the line, we have Kenton. Are you there, Kenton?
5: I'm here. Good afternoon.
2: Awesome. Well, Kenton Hunley is, and I'll let you tell him your role and your title and a little bit more about what you do, but I want to introduce him. He is a youth pastor and I just have to say that it takes about three seconds of talking to Kenton for you to recognize the light that he is and just the passion that he has for helping people, for helping youth. And So he has really embraced some of these skills and really believes in them and has applied them. And so I thought he was a great person to come on and talk a little bit more about um, the value that he thinks this program can bring to youth.
1: Yes, yes. And Ken, uh, you are a youth pastor. Tell us the church and how people can find out more briefly about the church.
5: Wonderful. Uh my name is Kintney, so I'm the director of discipleship for children and youth at First United Methodist Church of San Diego in Mission Valley. Very good. Um to find out more about the church, uh you could go to dot org, or you can go to firstchurchsd.com.
1: Very good. Now that we took care of all that, let's dive right? into some of the revelation <laughs> that you've been, you know, you I I I'll tell you, Holly speaks highly of you, and uh, I know that you have a real heart for young people, and all of a sudden, when you're given keys to help those young people excel, uh, it it can be empowering, can't it?
5: You're exactly right, and you know, I I must also say I'm a father of a 13-year-old, and I also coach youth soccer up in Scripps Ranch, so I've been working with children professionally for over 15 years, and I've been trying to get better at being a Father of a 13-year-old girl <laughs> <laughs> for just about a year now. So, um, you know, meeting with Dr. Roselle for the first time and just hearing it, it spoke right to me into my heart. Um, working with children and myself as a former athlete, the, the the four areas of confidence, performing under pressure, attention control, and motivation. I think any youngster, whether they are an athlete, performing artist. Or just trying to navigate through this crazy world we live in can can definitely benefit through this this online application uh, in these four areas
2: yeah ken i love how you highlighted those lessons because i think just even hearing the name of them you start thinking okay who couldn't use that
5: really? <laughs> exactly exactly and um you know i've as i mentioned i, I have a 13 year old daughter who plays competitive soccer here in san diego and i also reached out this week to a 12 year old competitive dancer in Northern Virginia. And uh, she she messaged me back today to let me know that she was able to use the breathing techniques with her teammates this morning. And she actually uh, won first place in a solo at her dance competition today. And so she immediately texted me like, It worked, Mr. Clinton. So that
3: was (laughs) (laughs) cool.
1: Well, it does work. Thank you, Jesus. And and, and one of the things, you know, (laughs) God has placed (laughs) you, Kenton, into a position of... responsibility of a calling and uh it's always nice to know that god is going to equip you i mean you know obviously you have a heart i was in the big brothers organization but i didn't have these tools i just you know i knew about scripture and things like that i tried to show a lifestyle that could uh be a testimony to the to the young people I was involved in, but when you have godly tools like uh, Holly mm-hmm. has been given and she's sharing prolifically with others like you, how remarkable is that? And to explain to us what happens. You just explained to about the young lady who called you, going, ah, it worked. Tell us a little bit how right. how that looks in a in a church a youth pastor environment.
5: Well, I, I'm I'm excited to to unveil this to the children I work with at my church, but I think. Uh, one thing that we need to understand is that, you know, oftentimes we see kids on their phones or on their tablets. And it's like, what are you doing? That's too much screen time. Get off the phone. But that's actually how they communicate to each other. So to have something in their hand that they can uh, share with their, their teammates, as, as this young lady in Virginia said this morning, or something that they can just do on their own, I think it it speaks greatly to the generation we're working with today to, to create uh, young followers of Jesus Christ. And so they can do it at their own pace. A lot of times, uh, teenagers, I find, don't want to be told from mom and dad, or from even their coaches or their teachers or youth leaders what to do and when to do it. So to have an objective person uh, like Dr. Roselle, who uses the science, the faith, and the love of sport and performing under pressure, I think it speaks right to a kid and uh, or a youngster, and and it doesn't come across as quite as pushy as it would from mom or dad or coach who's always on them and always telling them to do. And I think um, both girls that I've worked with this uh, the last couple of weeks have told me. That the the use of humor and real life application is what really speaks to them.
1: <laughs> I love that, and I, I like uh, to watch Holly's face when you're describing this. It's kind of like the baby she's birthed is being used uh, remarkably, and that's <laughs> exactly. that's wonderful as well. Yes. So d- tell us just briefly, uh, uh, Holly, about your your relationship with the uh, Kenton Hundley, and uh, what how did that begin, uh, and and where has it taken it from from there? We've got a couple minutes left in this
2: well you know it's funny kenton is actually the youth as you mentioned he's a youth pastor at the um, church where my little boy goes to preschool and my little girl and last year they went to vbs vacation bible school with um kenton my little girl did and she just came back just praising this this experience that she had and how much she learned and i just loved taking her and i thought who leads this? (laughs) Uh And it was (laughs) Kitten. And I remember when, because I would go and pick her up and I would watch him kind of towards the end working with the youth. And he just stuck out to me as, you know, he just, he stands out. He was such a light. And so when I, um, and I had seen him in a couple other things that I had done through the preschool. And so when I was doing this program and I was really done with it, I thought, you know what? God just put it in my mind and my heart to reach out to him and just highlighted him based on what I had seen him do with kids before. And those th- those kids are a little bit younger than what this is yes. applied for, but it was it still works. the same heart. It even
1: works for the older people like me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. So we're talking with uh, uh, Kenton Hundley, and he's a youth pastor and a dad, mm-hmm. and he pastor, yeah. youth pastors at the First United Methodist Church in San Diego. And uh, we've got a couple, about a minute and a half or so left in this. Holly, uh, you want to uh, offer... Uh, a word of encouragement or do you want to let Kenton do that as, as a youth pastor and then we'll close the segment.
2: Yo, Kenton, why don't you wrap it up? See what you, what else you'd like to All say? Right, well, we got I, about I a minute here. Me.
1: So uh, uh, pray over it and then speak it. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will. I will.
5: And again, as, as both a parent and a coach, and I, I think it's interesting that Holly didn't know I was a parent of a 13 year old nor a coach when we met. So I do believe it was a, a calling, a higher power that that brought us together um and i was always taught uh, from my own father that children will lead us to the temple and so through her children we met and i'm able to to help expand this and i'm looking forward to growing with others but what i really like is that it it speaks to children to youth from all walks of life from all backgrounds and they can relate to it um because she uses real world um ideas in the videos as well as bringing it back to scripture and closing each uh, activity with prayer and so I know as myself as an athlete we always often look for mantras to keep us going when times get tough. And um I know how spoke to the WIN acronym earlier, but I was able to use that with my daughter. What's important now? You know, mm-hmm. disregard what the other parents are yelling from the stand, listen to your coach, <laughs> listen to your body and, and do what you need to do. And and you know, as a coach, to just be able to say, hey, girls, let's win, and they know it's an them, what's important now, is, ah. is all the more um, encouraging. Um, because, you know, we can't always put our faith first in, in coaching youth because we all come from different backgrounds. But those who know what we're working at and what we're saying know what we're saying. They feel it, just as I feel these chills in my arm right now speaking to it. Um, I just know that, that this, this is a product, this is a, a tool that can just get kids to that next level. And when the sports, when the knees get old and and, cr- and cranky like mine do, um, you can fall back on your faith and know that that Jesus is with you every step of the way. Hallelujah. Um, whether you're competing competitively or, you know, you're just a weekend runner.
1: Kenton Hundley, thank you so much for spending some time with Holly and me. We appreciate that. Holly, yes. what, what a remarkable broadcast we've had for the first hour. Of course, the second hour is going to be uh, significant as well, but it's going to be completely Absolutely. different. But thank you so much for joining me. And my listening friend, what I'm taking away from this is God has instilled you with things that sometimes we we shy away from. But when we realize that there are actually tools, uh, a quick word of encouragement, and then we have to get out of here.
2: Yeah, Kaz, thanks so much for having me, first of all. But second of all, I just, um, you know, I just wanted to emphasize that, and and Kenton even said this, that really, as you experience this program, you realize that God is with you in everything that you do in sports and arts and academics. They won't be there forever, but God's word will. And when you experience it through these things as a youth, it instills in you that God is with you in all things. In yes, life. yes, yes. And that he can give us the world changing power of the mind. Yes, to yes, do yes. Great and mighty things.
1: Dr. Holly Roselle, PhD, higher power mind. Thank you for spending an hour with us.
2: Thank you for uh, having it's, me. It's, it's been it's fun.
1: A it's a, It has been, and there shall be more as well. My friend, I know that you got big things out of this, but we're going to change gears a little bit, and you're going to get big things out of the next hour as well, but it's going to be a little different flavor. We talked about youth. Now we're going to talking about anxiety. Have, ever, ever have to be faced with the income tax? <laughs> <laughs> of course, we all have uh, this year, and uh, hopefully uh, things are cleaning out of the pipes right now. We can be thinking about other things. But I wanted to bring one of the world's great historians on for this next hour. His name is uh, Bill Federer. Uh, AmeriSearch and the American Minute in the next hour. He's written a book talking about uh, the, the the history of income tax. He's going to dig back into scripture. He's going to dig back into uh, the American history. And we're going to find out how it was meant to be properly applied and how it has become abused. And you're going to be absolutely amazed with this as well. So, Holly, thanks for joining me in the first hour. My n- next guest for the next hour Is Bill Federer of American Minute and AmeriSearch. My friends, do not go away. We will be right back.
0: This is Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. More. Come Together San Diego is just moments away. KPRZ, San Marcos Poway, and K29CR Encinitas, FM 106.1, North County, AM 1210, San Diego, K-Praise. I'll tell the world, world, world. Come Together San Diego with Cash Taylor on FM 106.1 and AM 1210, Cape praise I'll
3: tell the world.
1: Hey, my friends. Good to be with you again in the second hour of Come Together, San Diego. And uh, I've got a guest who's uh, been a longtime friend of mine. He, you know, I've got an opportunity to dig deeply into his psyche, into his mind. And he, you, you know, you can talk about any subject that deals with uh, uh, scriptural truths or history or Bible history or the United States, and you just, you just make say a word, and uh, Bill Federer can talk. Uh, for almost forever. <laughs> I never heard a, a a final statement unless the time disallows our continuing. Bill is a uh, what I well, say, fire hydrant of wisdom and he's been a friend for a long time, but he's written a book and we're going to spend some time uh smiling a little bit about some of the insights that he has on this book. Uh it's called The Interesting History of Income Tax, my friend Bill Federer. Hey Bill, how you doing?
4: Yeah, it's great to be with you.
1: Uh, It's a pleasure. And congratulations on one more book. I mean, you've written so many books, uh, 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 over uh, 20 or 25 books, somewhere in there. You lose count, and uh, you've ministered, and you've shared these truths, and many, many cities in, in in the United States. In fact, uh, every once in a while, you come to San Diego and uh, try to make a point of seeing you and hearing you. So this new book, tell us a little bit about it. And because, I mean, this is timely, people are s- still shivering a little bit from the, the the income tax experience, and you have some insights for them. So tell us a little bit about the book, Bill Federer.
4: Well, thank you, Kaz. Well, uh, Ben Franklin said the only thing certain in life our debt and taxes. (laughs) Um, April 15th uh, is the day that Abraham Lincoln died in 1865. He was shot the night before in Ford's theater. April 15th, 1912 is when the Titanic sank. It struck an iceberg the night before. It's not a really good day. (laughs) But uh, 1954 is when April 15th became the deadline for tax returns. And um, interestingly enough, Uh, there was no income tax in America uh, because it was forbidden by the constitution. Article one, section nine, it says no capitation or other direct tax shall be laid by the federal government. And so our founders didn't like taxes. That was one of the reasons we rebelled against King George the third, the taxation without representation and the stamp tax and the sugar tax and the tea tax and all those different taxes and, Uh, So our founding fathers started off not wanting to have an income tax. Uh, They had a little bit of a problem because the state um, had to voluntarily cough up money to pay the federal government. Uh, which would pay the federal army, which was George Washington.
1: So you're saying and there was no army. mechanism uh, for funding the federal government. The states had mechanisms to to, to fund that, but so the, 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 the federal government came up with a tax plan. Is that what you're saying?
4: Right. So for the first nine years of America, uh, we broke from Britain, but we had not yet come up with our U.S. Constitution, we operated under something called the Articles of Confederation, which effectively gave zero power to the federal government to do any kind of taxes. And so Washington was begging for money for his troops, and the you know, Continental Congress didn't have any because it was voluntary for the states to give money to the federal government. Well, Anyway, we broke from Britain after those years, we finally get our U.S. Constitution and the federal government uh, supported itself through through two kinds of taxes. Tariff taxes on imports that came in from other countries and excise taxes on specific items like salt, tea, tobacco. Again, no income tax. And uh, the tariff taxes, those are interesting. They made foreign goods more expensive so people would buy stuff made in America.
1: I'm hearing, I'm, I'm, I'm so, hearing echoes of this with with our president uh, Donald Trump, aren't I?
4: Right, right. So the um, situation was the Industrial Revolution. You had James Watt uh, invented the first steam engine. It was to like pump water out of coal mines in England. But then that steam engine uh, expanded to uh, be for railroads and boats and, and, you know, uh, things like that. Uh, So it comes to America and we begin to industrialize. And so we have factories, but the textile industries in England and Europe were ahead of us. So they could produce stuff really cheap. And uh, given the choice, people would buy the imports. And so the tariff Taxes made the imports more expensive, so people would instead buy the stuff made in America. The problem was, the tariff taxes that helped the North hurt the South. What do I mean? Well, the North had factories, and the South really didn't. The South was agricultural. They grew cotton and rice and so forth, which unfortunately relied on slave labor. Um, And so when the tariff taxes were put in place, the South was faced with either having to buy more expensive stuff from Europe, with these tariff taxes added on, or the stuff from the northern factories, which was effectively, you know, know, comparatively more expensive. And so at some point during prior to the Civil War, the South was paying 90% of the federal budget. They, by them paying and collecting the tariffs, and they were sending all that money to Washington, D.C., D. and they were funding the federal government. And so the South resented that, that here they were having to, you know, uh, pay these tariffs, and the North got the benefit of it because these factories got the protection. And um, and so this led to the animosity leading up to the Civil War. Many okay, times, so I'm
1: gonna, I, This uh, is a good place to take a commercial break because uh, we, we've got the, the entire hour, but I have to be uh, – uh, sensitive to the commercial breaks, Bill Federer. So we're talking now, we're, we've entered the time frame of the Civil War, and we're going to talk a little bit more in the next segment about uh, how taxes, tariffs, income taxes, and all these other things uh, made their way into America and the American government. And uh, I know you have some more illustrious things you're going to share with us in the next segment from your book entitled The Interesting History of Income Tax Bill Federer. So, would you stay with me for the remainder of the hour, Bill? We're just getting warmed up, aren't we?
3: Yes.
1: Okay, my friends, uh, Bill Federer and Kaz, and uh, it, the amazing story about income tax. We'll be right back.
0: This is Come Together, San Diego, the new live local show on FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. More Come Together, San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the new live local show with Kaz Taylor. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. K Praise. Hi there, my friends. Kaz back
1: with you here with my special co host and guest for this entire hour. His name is Bill Federer. He's a remarkable historian of both uh, the Bible and also the historian of the United States of America and a new book that he has written called the interesting history of income tax. But before I set him free again, you, you can tell if I, all I do is have to say, what about this? And I just sit back for the end of the segment <laughs> because Bill is so good at these things. But let me, I want to brag on him a minute before we, I set him free. We finished, uh, we, we began talking about the civil war in the last segment and how Uh, Income tax or taxing uh, played a role in that for funding of various things. But before we get into the Civil War aspect and then move forward into present day times, I want to share some insights of a man whom you may know very well. He's a solid Christian. He is... a a former presidential candidate, and he actually is serving in the Trump cabinet right now. He's serving as the uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. His name is Dr. Ben Carson. And here's what uh, Dr. Ben Carson said about our co-host and our guest for this, uh, the remainder of this hour, Bill Federer. He said, I am so grateful for people such as William Federer who have done extraordinary research to uncover documents— revealing the true sentiments and beliefs of our founders. Then he talks uh, 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 high accolades about Bill Federer. And so, my friend, I hope you can understand how privileged we are to have Bill Federer with us in this entire hour talking about his book, Interesting History of Income Tax. Bill, we stopped uh, in the last segment talking about the Civil War, and I'm going to let you launch back into that and how uh, taxes and tariffs played a role in that, but please forgive me because periodically I have to dive on in and uh, introduce a commercial break, so bear with me on that, Bill. Now I'm going to hand the baton back to you talking about the Civil War and where we last ended in our previous segment. Bill Federer.
4: Well, thank you, Kaz. Well, Abraham Lincoln pushed through the first income tax. It was called the Revenue Act, and it raised $750 million to finance the union during the Civil War. And um, he uh, did many other things, uh, issued the first greenback. It was a dollar bill. And um, the South, uh, they were hurting because they had bumper crops of cotton in the years prior to the civil war and the European market, primarily England, uh, 80% of England's textile industry bought cotton from America's South. Cotton was like the oil of the 1800s. It was the most traded commodity in the world, and it came from America South. Well, um, the South had these bumper crops, and so Europe stocked up, and then immediately when the Civil War started, the South had terrible cotton crops, and uh, the, the price went up, and the, <laughs> England didn't buy any. It's like, well, we got enough. We bought it from a couple of years earlier, and, uh, and then England began to buy cotton, from india and china and egypt and these different colonies around the world and so the american south was really left hanging um because they couldn't have any money well long and short um the civil war takes place and after the war uh the income tax was repealed because the emergency was over and so in 1873 no more income tax in america uh, then you had 1894, and the first peacetime income tax was introduced. A uh, whole lot of the immigrants that had come over from Europe had a lot of the Marxist concepts of take from the rich and give it to the poor. Uh, Karl Marx said every man according to his ability to every man according to his need and this redistribution of wealth. And so they pushed through the first peacetime income tax in 1894. Can,
1: can I stop you right there, Bill? Because you said yeah. some things that, uh, we, you know, if you listen to the news or watch the news, my friend, this is what you're hearing and seeing these days. I know Bill's going to talk about this in greater detail in the future, but the mentality uh, in, in those days is revisiting us these days, and that is let the rich pay for government and let the poorer people Uh, take advantage of it. That's called socialism or even uh, Marxism or uh, communism. And uh, so we're feeling the flavors of this and as, uh, as Bill Federer shares this with you more, you're going to hear some phraseology that he uses that happened way back in America's history that we should have learned our lesson from, and we are still getting it in the face today. So, sorry, Bill, for interjecting that, but I'm going to let you get back into your topic here. But my listening friend, pay close attention to what Bill is saying, because we are faced with similar challenges today. Bill Federer.
4: Right, so uh, the first peacetime income tax was passed in 1894, but the Supreme Court declared it unconstitutional. In the case of Pollock versus Farmers Loan and Trust, Supreme Court Justice Stephen Field said the income tax law under consideration is class legislation. Whenever a distinction is made in the burdens a law imposes or in the benefit it confers on any citizen by reason of their birth, wealth, or religion, it is class legislation and leads to abuses. He said, it is the same in essential character as the English income statute of 1691, which taxed Protestants at a certain rate, Catholics at double the rate, and Jews at a separate (laughs) third. Oh, oh my. Anyway, so no income tax again. But the situation was that those factories in the north that were producing stuff, uh, there's a good side and a bad side. The good side is that It caused the fastest rise in the standard of living in America uh, than had ever taken place in the world's history. It freed women up from having to weave thread to sew garments. Now you could buy a whole bolt of cloth from the textile stores, Uh, the farmers could buy steel plowing tools and farm implements and the steel made railroads and bridges. And now uh, you could travel across the country. And and so we saw this uh, very, very fast rise in the standard of living. That's good. But the industrialists, the people that own the factories, they became wealthier and wealthier. And so uh, they were sometimes referred to as robber barons. And uh, some of them were scrupulous and had morals and others didn't. Uh, One, for example, was David Rock, um, John D. Rockefeller. He was the uh, head of Standard Oil Company, and he did a deal with the railroads to ship his oil cheaper than his competitors. And then he would sell it cheaper, and then he would put his competitors out of business. And then once he had a monopoly, he would raise the price of oil through the roof and then he would give a kick back to the railroads that started the whole thing off. Uh, and he did this over and over again until he put out of business all his competitors and he became the richest man in the world. Anyway, so a movement was started to try to tax these rich industrialists. And so you had Teddy Roosevelt took on these monopolies and he pushed through the first inheritance tax because only the extreme wealthy had an inheritance worth leaving. And then another Republican was uh, Taft, William Taft. He pushed through the first corporate income tax because only the extreme wealthy owned corporate stock. Finally, Woodrow Wilson comes along, a Democrat, and he pushes through the first income tax. And it was a 1% tax on the top 1% richest people in the country. And so the people thought, well, this is just going to tax these Rockefellers and Carnegie's and Astor's and J. Paul Getty's. It's not going to tax you and me. It would sort of be like today saying it's just Bill Gates and Warren Buffett and George Soros that's going to pay this tax. And and this is
1: what you're hearing a lot from uh, uh, liberals and left-wing individuals. It's it's not going to really impact you. It's going to impact others. But fill in the blanks, Bill Federer.
4: Right. So they pushed through the 16th Amendment in 1913. Again, a 1% tax on the top 1% richest people. And, um, world war one starts and everybody thought, well, we had an income tax during the civil war. So that's an emergency. We have an emergency now, world war one, I, I guess we can swallow it. Now, another thing happened. The rich aren't rich cause they're stupid. They're rich because they know how to make financial decisions. And so no sooner did the pass, than they funneled their money into tax free foundations the Carnegie Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation. This way, they could still control all of their money. They just weren't taxed on it. Mm -hmm. The category they jumped into was the church category. Um, And so the churches did all the social work. They had the welfare programs and the orphanages and the medical clinics. And most of the hospitals in America were started by churches and denominations. Churches did all the social work. Uh, I saw a side note here, just because something needs to be done doesn't mean the government's supposed to do it. Um, (laughs) And so back back then, the poor needed to be taken care of, but it was the churches that took care of the poor. And um, again, on the side note, uh, God gives commands to five groups. He gives commands to uh, individuals, and then to families, and then to employer-employee relationships, and then to churches, and then to government. Um, Individuals are commanded to be generous and give to the poor. Families, there's no command for the family to be generous. The commands to the family are husbands, love your wives, children, submit to your parents. Employer, employees, the employer is supposed to not withhold the wages and the employee gives an honest day's work. The church is commanded to take care of the poor and to provide for the orphans and the widows and so forth. Um, There's no command for the government to take care of the poor. The government's wow. command is the simplest, protect the innocent, punish the guilty. You know, you're supposed to protect the, the country, build a wall and, 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 you know, have police and so forth. Um, and there's no command for the government to take care of the poor or to run hospitals or to have schools or do any of that. Yes. It was the churches that did it.
1: Stop right there, Bill, because we can, we've we got to take a, a break right now. My, my listening friend, I ho- hope you're realizing the depth of the conversation that we're having with uh, historian Bill Federer and about his book called The Interesting History of Income Tax. Uh, I bet you a lot of the things my producer and I were during the break, were going, we didn't know that. Well, Bill Federer knows this and he can help you understand uh, where it has come, not only the uh, good things, but also the abuses. And I really appreciate, Bill, that you spend a little bit of time getting back to the, the church and scriptural things, because if you don't mind this next segment, I'd like to have you major on uh, what the good book scripture has to say about uh, taxation, it reminds me of something that Jesus said uh, about the who, whose inscription is on this coin, given to Caesar what is due Caesar, but given to God what is due God. We're going to talk more about these things and reflect on a an excellent uh, written work just published by Bill Federer called The Interesting History of Income Tax. So can we uh, peel back this, uh, this uh, onion peel a little bit further in the next segment, Bill Federer? Yes. Okay. Bill Federer, my friend uh, and author, and uh, his his ministry is AmeriSearch and the American Minute. You will have heard of him. Do a a website search or a a Google search and Bill Federer, F-E-D-E-R-E-R, and he's everywhere. So Bill Federer and Kaz will be right back.
0: Hello, San
5: Diego. This is Rick Signs from uh, Red Seal Ministries. I just bless you and ask you just receive the love of the Lord at this time, uh, this open season we have in San Diego.
0: Now, more of Come Together San Diego on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. And I am indeed back with
1: the author of The Interesting History of Income Tax, Bill Federer. Bill, thanks for joining me on this entire hour. I appreciate that. And as you're tracking with us uh, the history of income tax, and we got to a point where we were talking about uh, the church offering their services uh, and uh, 501c3 kind of things, and then uh, how big business got into the church-related business to shelter some of their uh, taxable resources and uh, so I thought this was a good time to spend just a little bit of time talking about the biblical perspective on uh, tax, income tax, or, you know, it may get into tithing a little bit. But I-, I wanted to just touch that and let you then release you to get back into the history of income tax on a more proper basis. But, Bill, I'd like to spend this entire segment dealing with those things. But I want to set the stage for the last segment to talk about drum roll, please where we are today, the abuses and where we are today, and uh, maybe some scriptural perspectives and forewarnings about this in the present day time. Can we do that, Bill Federer?
4: Sure, sure. Okay, so let's
1: continue talking about the church a little bit, and then pick up your thoughts about the history of income tax. And the last segment, let's talk about where we are today. Bill Federer.
4: Well, the Bible talks a lot about being charitable, But it says nothing about the government taking away from you against your will Mm -hmm. and doing whatever they want with it. In other words, when the early church started, people sold their property and they brought the money to the feet of who? The apostles, the church. They didn't bring the money to the feet of Pilate and say, here, Roman government, here's a little more money for you to spread around the way that you think it needs to be. No, if you want to sell your property and give it to the church, fine, let, and let the church take care of the poor. The problem is, once you get government involved in taking care of the poor, or for that matter, any uh, a social program The government is run by individuals who want to keep their jobs and they want to get reelected. And the temptation is for them to funnel the money to those that will vote for them and uh, take away the money from those that will challenge them. And so uh, this was actually proven by a gentleman uh, named James Buchanan. He won the Nobel prize in economics because he figured out what motivated politicians. They want to get reelected. He said that the biggest item on the federal budget was debt. And he goes, why are these politicians continuing to vote for debt? He found out that if a politician is facing reelection, they will vote to increase the debt to funnel money to their district because it'll help their reelection. But they won't vote for the corresponding tax increase to pay for it. And so they keep passing this debt on to somebody else. And it turns into this big bureaucratic blob of people that want to keep their job. And it's called the deep state. Mm. In other words, you and I like to keep our job. That's a good thing. And so we want the entity that we're working for to survive and maybe get bigger because it'll give us job security and maybe a retirement. Yeah. Now, what happens if you get, have a lot of people working for the government? Uh, they want the government to get bigger because it'll give them job security and so forth. Uh, and so what happens, the more people you get working for the government it turns into this big bureaucratic um, thing that's purpose is to perpetuate itself and to get bigger. And it, the temptation is for people in those positions to um, hinder and audit and leak stuff and, and weaponize their uh, departments to uh, stop the candidates that threaten to trim back their budget. And to funnel support to those that want to increase our budget. And um, anyway, so originally the church took care of the hospitals, the medical clinics, the orphanages, the schools, the soup kitchens. They cared for the orphans and the widows, the main soldiers and the prisoners. end. what prisoners, you know, in Europe they had um, corporal punishment or they would, you know, whip you and so forth. It was a Christian. It was William Penn who came up with this concept of putting the criminal in a room with a Bible until the person became penitent, until they repented. And so they called a place a penitentiary.
1: Oh, my, my.
4: (laughs) So our very penitentiary system started by Christians that said, hey, let's not you know whip people and cut off their arms and so forth. And so the Christians were involved in these different things. Plus, when you teach the Bible— there's this concept that there is a God who's watching you and he wants you to be fair. And even if there's no police around, you're going to do what's right. Uh, yes. Once you get rid of the teaching of God, all you have is, Hey, if I can steal and get away with it, I'm going to do it. And so you throw it open to selfish motivation and lawlessness. And so we found where, where the church is, is not have a presence then, there's more broken families. There's more, uh, you know, need for welfare programs. And one of the biggest items on most state budgets is welfare for broken homes and for you know children without, you know, a mother and a father in the house. And so there is a financial price to pay for us losing our morals. Yes. There's more crime. So the property value goes down. You have to hire more police and you have to hire more firemen and so forth. So um, anyway. Uh, finishing the, the timeline, in 1942, World War II starts. And because we had an emergency tax during the Civil War and an emergency tax during World War I, now we have World War II. And FDR has the largest tax bill in American history. And it increases taxes from just the wealthy to not everybody pays it. A quote from John F. Kennedy, 1961. He said, in meeting the demands of war finance, the individual income tax moved from a selective tax imposed on the wealthy to the means by which the great majority of our citizens participate in paying.
1: Yes. Now, okay. help me with on the timeline. Is this kind? Of, we're getting into the fifties and 60s, 1950s and nineteen sixties. Here is that the is that the timeline transition?
4: Right. Right. So World War Two. Um, it's called uh, pay your fight the axis pay your taxes, and so uh, uh, Franklin Roosevelt pushes through this income tax, and and most people made maybe $5,000 a year. And so at the end of the year, they had to cough up maybe $500, but they didn't save it. And so uh, a guy named Beardsley Rummel was the chairman of Macy's Department Store, you know, the Thanksgiving Day Parade. He becomes the director of the New York Federal Reserve, and he comes up with an idea called the pay-as-you-go tax. So instead of people having to save money and pay them their tax at the end of the year, you just withhold a little bit from each paycheck. And so this was an emergency effort to get money to fight Hitler. The war stopped. It didn't. So the next time you look at your paycheck and you see they're withholding stuff from your paycheck, that goes back to Franklin Roosevelt fighting Hitler. He said this in 1961, he said withholding on wages and salaries was introduced during the war when the income tax was extended to millions of new taxpayers. So it was World War II that made it from the selective tax on polls on the wealthy to the majority of the people, but they couldn't pay it. And so he said this withholding on wages and salaries was introduced during the war. And uh, now one of the observations is that when FDR raised the taxes, business began to leave the country. And so it's no different uh, so we, we rebuilt Germany and Japan after World War II with brand new equipment, and they're producing stuff cheaper than we are with old, clunky, pre-war machines. And so Germany and Japan are now taking a bigger part of the uh, global market right. for items. And then uh, we have businessmen that say, shoot, let's just move our business overseas, and we can you know import the stuff back. So. I ask people, if you were driving down the street and it's $5 a gallon for gas on your side of the street, but $2 a gallon <laughs> for gas on the other side of the street, question, would you make a left turn and get the $2 gallon? Yeah, we all would. Sure. If you're willing to do that, you can't blame these businesses for moving overseas.
1: Yes, yes. Hold if that thought, Bill. Hold that interested. thought because we're running out of of this segment, but I want to save this this uh, golden wisdom, this, the cherry on top that you're, you're setting up here, I appreciate you doing that. because, uh, My listening friend, I know you're hearing some things that you're hearing reverberating in the news or uh, in d- different uh, documents and things like that, or the voice of many people that have an understanding for financial things. You're hearing the same thing that happened back in the day, uh, in today as well. So Bill, uh, I'm sorry to have to do this and go to a break, but my listening friend, I want you to be encouraged. Bill's going to pay this whole thing off that he shared with us in the systematic history of income tax we're going to find out my friends where we are today and perhaps what some of the solutions might be as we delve more deeply into the very powerful book called the interesting history of income tax by Bill Federer bill we've got one more segment to go and i'm are you ready to unleash the hounds Bill Federer? <laughs> yes, yeah, well, yeah,
4: looking forward to
1: it. Oh, okay. My listening friend, uh, Bill Federer, with uh, lots of uh, stuff you have never heard before and revelation and inspiration about income tax, but where we are today and what we can do about that. Bill Federer and Kaz will be right back.
0: More Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor is next. FM 106.1 and AM 1210. k phrase. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. And
1: I am back with my co host and friend, William J. Federer, and we're talking a bit about his new book called The Interesting History of Income Tax. I'm glad you're back with me for the last segment of the hour, Bill. Uh, you have uh, enticed our listeners about uh, the truths that we really need to know about uh, uh, regarding income tax, but it it answers a lot of questions about the, uh, the challenges that we are facing in the United States today. Would you spend the remainder of this hour talking a little bit about where we are today. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to give our listeners an opportunity to find out more about acquiring your book or some of your other multitude of writings, Bill Federer, this book title, The Interesting History of Income Tax by William J. Federer. But tell us about how you can find out more about this book, but also some of your other stuff, and then we'll dive on in. Is that okay, Bill?
4: Yes, yes. Uh, My website is American AmericanMinute.com, American And I also send out a free daily history email, something that happened on each date in American history and has lots of pictures in it. So um, a lot of homeschoolers and people use it, but um, the the income tax a- angle is, uh, is quite interesting. I mentioned how Franklin Roosevelt raised the income taxes and that started something called outsourcing. And so businesses realize that they, uh, could make more money if they moved overseas. Uh, I've identified five and, in, and even six reasons why businesses leave. Squeeze the sponge, the water goes out. Uh, you have higher taxes in America than in other countries, higher wages for employees than in other countries, uh, more lawsuits uh, for businesses here than in other countries yes. like China, more government bureaucracy here, uh, more environmental restrictions, and last is political favoritism. Mm. If you remember back when Obamacare was pushed through, that some companies got Obamacare waivers because they had, uh, you know, contributed to that uh, party or whatever. And the other businesses like Hobby Lobby and so forth uh, didn't get the waivers. And it's like this was arbitrarily passing out favors. Uh, it's called cronyism, political yes. cronyism.
1: Depending on the party anyway. in power, I would suspect, huh, Bill?
4: Right, and so if you um, are a business and you're facing these things in America, but you can move your factory overseas. So Kennedy noticed this. John F. Kennedy uh, wrote in 1961, I've asked the Secretary of Treasury to report on whether the present tax laws may be stimulating an undue flow of American capital to industrial countries abroad. It's like, duh, you know, again, squeeze the sponge, (laughs) the water goes out. Kennedy goes on to say, In those countries where income taxes are lower than in the United States, the ability to defer payment of U.S. tax by retaining income in subsidiary companies provides a tax advantage for companies operating through overseas subsidiaries. So Kennedy uh, came up with a stimulus plan. He said we need to cut taxes uh, on the businesses so that they can retool and have the brand new equipment and for the people and this is what he said in 1963 john f kennedy a tax cut means higher family income higher business profits a balanced federal budget every taxpayer and his family will have more money left over after taxes for a new car a new home a new convenience education and investment every business can keep a higher percentage of his profits in his cash register and put it to work expanding his business um and he goes on to say uh in other words that if People have more money, they'll spend it, and the factories will have to hire more workers to meet the increased demand. The only caveat that I would add is that you give the tax cuts to businesses that keep their jobs on American soil. Oh, that's good. There's no benefit to giving a tax cut if businesses has already moved overseas. Yes. Um, so um, uh, now, one last thought is Kennedy's stimulus plan was to cut taxes. There was somebody else who had a stimulus plan that the FDR really liked, and it was John Maynard Keynes, K-E-Y-N-E-S, John Maynard Keynes. And he invented the debt-stimulated economy model. What's that? It's like a chalkboard with a circle. The government goes in debt to spend money in the private sector to create jobs. The jobs will pay taxes. The taxes will pay off the debt. It's a nice little circle on a chalkboard. The problem is, it never happens. Because it's run by politicians, <laughs> and they'll go in debt to keep the you know the funnel money to their district, but they won't pay for it with tax increases. Sure. And so this debt stimulating economy, even though it looks good on paper, it never materializes. And this debt has gotten to a place where it's trillions and trillions of dollars. Yes, yes, is. yes. It'll never get paid off.
1: B- okay, so Bill Federer. Let, let me ask you the question. The We've got kids. just a couple minutes left, and uh, you, you're so you've got so much. Impactful stuff but i I want to end this uh this show with your take on where we are in government right now, but also uh your take on donald trump i mean he's doing some things that violate the- po- political uh frame of mind, and uh, politicians on both sides of the equation are a little bit nervous, but you know he he he's willing to impose. He's willing to shut down borders. He's willing to do all these things to move the economy forward. And if you were to take a step back, you'd see how many of the different um, uh, earmarks of of the economy, different uh, groups and so forth, are doing better. And the economy is experiencing uh, high, high High marks, basically. So give them, we've got about three minutes left in the show, but I want you to spend this time talking about how you see uh, Donald Trump in, in, in this mix and what your take is on that as we, uh, the show comes to a close. Bill Federer.
4: Well, well, Donald Trump wants to help cut taxes and help the businesses. Now, it's important to understand that they'll always be the extreme wealthy. Uh, for years, millenniums, they were the king's. And then the common people were the peasants. And so like a pyramid structure. The the question is the middle class. The middle class is the ones who challenge the power of the elites. And so who can help the middle class the most? It's interesting. Lenin said in order for a communist dictator to take over you need to crush the middle class and so lenin said the way to crush the middle class is to grind them between the millstones of taxation and inflation mm. so here he is saying that we have to get rid of the middle class in order for communist dictators to take over and uh, and so uh, ironically we're doing to ourselves what uh, you know we mm-hmm. did to help bankrupt the soviet union uh, now the bible talks about god blessing those Uh, the person with the talents that multiplied his and had 10 and then the wicked servant buried his and uh, he says take it from the one and give to the guy that has 10 and they say well you know uh, master he already has 10 and he says yeah give it to him anyway and so god blesses those capitalism empowers the individual now not this globalist uh, George Soros type capitalism, uh, that is a, an evil thing that's trying to manipulate. But they're just the mainstream capitalism, it, it empowers the individual to be able to improve his situation and be able to uh, you know, pursue his dreams, where the socialism empowers the state and it wants to provide for you, yes, but it does that by taking away all your freedoms and all your opportunities.
1: Yes, Bill, uh, now I've I've got 60 seconds left. Reminds me of the American Minute that you do. Can you apply? I'm I'm sorry to do this, but we're running out of show. So uh, in your 60 seconds remaining, give us the conclusion statement uh, so that we can close the show, but we can pay off some of the things that you shared with us for the entire hour. Bill Federer.
4: Well, Ronald Reagan said, I believe God did give mankind unlimited gifts to invent, produce, and create. And for that reason, it would be wrong for governments to devise a tax structure that suppresses those gifts. So the idea is that God wants you to have the freedom to pursue your dreams and to be able to better your lot in life so that you can become generous and uh, give to help the poor. Uh, And so the government should help you in that and not try to take away your hard work and have politicians funnel it to those that can help them get reelected.
1: My, my. (laughs) Bill Federer, the American Minute and AmeriSearch uh, and a brand new book called The Interesting History of Income Tax. Thank you for spending the hour with us, Bill Federer. And my listening friend, what an honor to have him. Bill, thank you.
4: Thank you,
1: Kaz. Anytime. It's a pleasure. You know, my friends, uh, we're coming to a close on Come Together San Diego for this hour. And as we conclude this hour, I'm going to share a word from a friend of mine in San Diego. He's a pastor. His name is uh, Jim Heidrich, and he's uh, with Firewheel Church. And he says, as we close this show and thank Bill Federer for joining us, Jim Heidrich says, remember to believe in God because God believes in in you. <laughs> so, my friend, as we close this show, I want you to know that God believes in you and God has big plans for us as we learn about uh, what uh, is going on in government and how to circumvent ungodliness in that and in everyday life as well. So, come together, San Diego, Kaz Taylor, and all my friends say, God bless you and see you soon.